0: I'm James Milley, and I'm Alex Mito, and this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What is going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means that you are certifiably awesome, If you don't know me by now, my name is James Milling. I'm the managing partner and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for artists in the US, and one of the top resources for all things art, artists, and marketing of your art. Today, we've got Maria Brito here with us on the mic. Maria is going to share an awesome masterclass with you today on how to make high value art that sells. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to hear what she has to say. But first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you ABP listeners. Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and not sure about the next move for your career? Good news! Those days are over. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Art Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time we are offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest reaching thousands of artists art influencers collectors and arts professionals every day to find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more we can't wait to welcome you to the superfine community and start helping you sell more art today All right, so we are back here with Maria Brito, and we are ready to change the way that you think about your art career. Maria Brito is an award-winning New York-based contemporary art advisor, author, and curator. Brito was selected by Complex Magazine as one of the 20 power players in the art world, and she was named by Art News as one of the visionaries who gets to shape the art world. She is the author of How Creativity Rules the World, The Art and Business of Turning Your Ideas into Gold. In 2019, she created and hosted The C-Files with Maria Brito, a TV and streaming series for PBS's news station, All Arts. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Maria. Thank
1: you, James. It's a pleasure. I'm excited to talk to you, and I'm excited to be able to spend this time also with the audience. I'm sure there are amazing artists listening.
0: Absolutely. And there's definitely a whole lot of amazing artists listening. Uh, I've seen a good handful of of our audience's work, and it's just amazing. Before we dive into it, Maria, uh, I want to ask you something to help our listeners get to know the real you. What is the earliest memory that you have of art?
1: I think I was around three or four years old. My grandparents lived in a house that was filled with with art that they had collected around the world. Nothing was from brand names. I mean, my grandfather wanted to invest in art and things like that because he himself was a Renaissance man who, besides being a physician, was a painter and had a lot of very different interests. And he's my muse and the inspiration of my upcoming book. But surrounding myself with all the art in the house of my grandparents was something that filled me with curiosity. City. I literally, they had their walls filled with things. And in my house, I grew up in a very conservative house in, in South America. I'm Venezuelan. There was this crazy misconception that you couldn't really make a living if you decided to do something like art or fashion or filmmaker, all the things that I wanted to do. Like I wanted to be an artist, a performer, a singer, and that was not part of the plan with the type of family that I, you know, I I grew up with. But they thought that going to museums and going to galleries and reading books and going to every cultural activity was really necessary to cultivate and nurture that important aspect that actually every human being really needs to have direct contact with art because it opens up the minds and because it's beautiful and because it moves people and because it brings narratives to the story. So I have the fun memories of really growing up with art in many different ways, even though it was not allowed to be one of them, <laughs> you know.
0: Right, right. Which is very interesting, but also it kind of worked out, right? It, you know, being surrounded by art and then. Having this mindset of like, okay, make sure you get you know a good job or have a good career, and then the two kind of combining. You you have a good career, but it's with art. So, Maria, what led you to your career as an art advisor and an award-winning curator?
1: Well, it's been thirteen years, and I was a corporate attorney, and I I graduated from Harvard Law and moved to New York in year two thousand to work in companies and law firms, because that was the path to follow, obviously. By the time I was like nine years deep into it, or eight and a half, I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. I just had my first child and I couldn't see myself at that law firm anymore. I was miserable. I hated everything. I see no purpose or meaning into it. And for a few months, I had been jotting down ideas of what can I do that fulfills my purpose on this world, as corny as it may sound. What is it that actually will allow me to use all my talents and my capabilities and allow me to feel alive and well and make money at the same time and so I knew I, I was going to end up doing something with the art world because I had been going to galleries and art fairs in New York City and art fairs actually even to Art Basel when it opened in, after 9-11 actually because it all it, it, oh, I had that interest in me all the time and it had never I had never let it die right I had little time, but my time was very well spent by going to these galleries that at the time, nobody would go to Chelsea, really. It was so strange. And little by little, I started sort of like thinking, you know, I have seen some art advisors, they are super boring, they're all wearing black, and it feels so transactional. None of them is on social media. None of them is like, I mean, it was very, very early anyway, but I I saw that there was sort of like a gap in the marketplace because everything was so snob and elitist. And I, I was like, no, this can be done where I'm still making money and dealing with rich people if need be. But I'm going to just work really hard on access- making this accessible for other audiences because we're not doing anybody a favor by sheltering the art world behind the walls of the galleries or the weird faces of, of the women on the reception desk or whatever. We are not really doing a favor to the artists to begin with, right? when we make it all so pretentious and intimidating so I made it sort of like my mission statement to democratize and demystify the art world for people via blogs and social media that at that time the only thing that existed was Facebook and Twitter I mean MySpace too but That was not the type of social media that I was going to go after to reach people and to invite them to the conversation. So I started blogging in like, you know, 2009 and I just went with it. And it was super rustic and very, it was not high tech, but I feel that that gave me such a leg up because nobody was doing it and because people in the art world wanted to keep it so closed and hermetic and not let anybody come in and I was totally the opposite and in a way it's it's like I feel that now everybody wants everybody to come in and everything is so available and and everything is out on on social media and websites and things like that so I feel that I was very early on and it paid off definitely
0: yeah no absolutely and that's such a uh, an inspiring path to where where you are now Definitely, uh, we're, we're all about democratizing the art world as well. I think that's such a good way to look at it that, you know, art can still be amazing. You can still be focused on selling your art, but you don't have to make it this like snobby, you know, thing that's very excluding and an elitist. Um, it's just, you know, awesome art and letting more people enjoy it and appreciate it. Um, so I, I, I love that. That's the mission behind what you do, Maria. So you are the center of huge art sales, Maria. What are some consistencies that you see in art that sells and artists that sell um, with high value?
1: I think that artists that, that consistently sell with high value actually know that they are not just artists, but they are entrepreneurs and they are very much on top of their practices in the sense that they run their businesses like businesses and they make sure that the galleries and the people who represent them understand that very well and i think that it's it's always been in in my opinion even throughout art history that there is no doubt for me that artists are the greatest entrepreneurs and there is nothing dirty about the word business that aren't together. I think that we have to move on from a, a type of mentality that started perhaps with maybe is the 19th century and the impressionists and things like that, because the truth is that we do have plenty of examples of artists who made it really big and died pretty wealthy. And it's not because their parents gave them money because that's the other thing. Like, since everybody's so upset right now about privilege, they're like, oh, yes, he was privileged. No, I mean, a lot of these guys really had very little and built up empires just by painting and being on top of their things and doing collaborations with, you know, different types of, you know, printing companies and even fashion companies and things like that. So I think that the artists who are entrepreneurs and treat their practices like businesses see a lot of the return by, by their sales because, you know, there, there used to be a time also where artists were not as visible in every sense as they are right now. Now you know their faces, where they live, what is their Instagram, their kids. You know, like there is so much immediacy for everybody through social media. And I think that galleries and, and you know, dealers are consistently and constantly looking for people that they can work with who are organized and have a vision. It, and if they are shy, that's fine. Not, that's not a problem. Not everybody has to be out in the world showing everything. But they care that an artist has... A certain level of interest in the business of things and runs things like a business. And the other thing that I consistently see is, obviously, we have seen an enormous appetite and shift, thank God, in the past five years to acquiring Black artists and minorities, because you are very well aware that the history of art, Black artists were not necessarily accounted for or invited to like the Big narrative in conversation. And I'm only glad that it has happened more and more and more. That's one thing that I'm consistently seeing. And that doesn't mean that white artists and just, you know, straight artists don't have a saying or a place at the table. Absolutely, they do. But you're asking me about what am I seeing? So I'm seeing figurative painters, a lot of women figurative, mostly women actually, that are creating great paintings and narratives with their work. The thing is, I'm also seeing that there is a little bit of a saturation of that style and things that may look very similar. So we've got to be sort of like careful of what are we acquiring and what am I telling my clients and what also artists are doing? Because if, if you know, even if just for purposes of inspiration, what you're doing looks like the next and the following and this and that, it just cannot bring anything good to the market. So that's pretty much what I'm seeing. If that makes sense.
0: Yep. No, it, it definitely makes sense. And also from the the guests that we've had on the podcast uh, in the past, there's a lot of artists that we've spoken to where, They make six figures with their art. And I completely agree with you that the consistent thing among all of those like very successful artists is either they are super business focused or they recognize very early on, hey, I've got to like have this like business partner or manager who is super business focused. But like you're saying, they recognize that they do need to treat their art like a business whether it's them or this person that's very adjacent to them. Cool. Awesome. Well, while we're talking about art businesses, uh, Maria, what are your top five tips for artists that are growing their art business?
1: I think it's very important to stay consistent on social media. And a lot of artists have messaged me in the past and say, I don't like this thing of social media. It scares me. It makes me tense. I'm afraid of the comments. And so... I tell them, look, I mean, you've got to do it because it's a business, right? I mean, some people say I'm very shy. I'm very, I'm very modest. I say, well, you know, I am, I'm going to tell you something. Nobody's going to go and show up in Bushwick and knock at at your door. Like Larry Koguzn is not going to do that, right? You've got to, I mean, I don't see that happening. You've got to put yourself out there. And if you don't want to put your face, that's cool. Put your art. Hashtag it. Because also that's the other thing. Instagram changed tremendously in the past three years. And if you're not using hashtags, nobody's ever going to find you either. And if you're not posting every day, nobody's going to find you either. Try to play with video. At the end of the day, you're an artist. Please don't tell me you don't know how to take a picture and kind of edit it so it looks nice. Because um, if then you're not an artist. And you're going to say, oh, I'm not a photographer. You know, we live in this era of excuses and people saying, but I can't. I can't. No, you can I mean, the, the world has changed, right? And I, don't, I, don't, I didn't go to art school because, again, that's not what I did. But I think art schools have to start kind of like moving the needle as well because artists are coming with a mentality that is not helpful for them because it's almost like the artistry is so precious that, oh my God, what if we do business with it? What if, God forbid, we make money? I mean, look, I don't know. No, seriously, I mean, I, my the artists that I know, they are not making six figures; they are making seven. I, you know, and and this is like I've been on this business for thirteen years, and I'm a and I'm a very thorough student of art history. The moment right now has never been better for artists and they have never wielded as much power the galleries are desperate to have more and more and more content and their walls if you if if that is the word inventory right like they need more and more because they are expanding because now there are art fairs online and in person because the galleries are opening in different countries because they are opening in different continents and you know now you have nfts as well people you know artists can just utilize that to reach a different audience to make money to experiment i mean the the work of an artist is to create and experiment if you're not experimenting i'm not sure how much you can evolve your practice as an artist if you are not trying different things consistently if you are not partnering with different people so one thing is try to stay consistent and try to experiment as much as you can i think another tip for artists and maybe this is a little obvious but remain connected to a community of other artists because that's a lot of opportunities come from there I always ask young artists who are you looking at who is your friend who just graduated or who have you been in touch with artists have an innate radar to connect with other artists and to support each other. And they are the ones who a lot of time drive the conversation that ends up having those artists with uh, either an art advisor like I am or with a gallery or in a group show or with a collector in particular. So it's very important to remain connected to an artist community so that you capitalize on those ideas and relationships because I think artists know that most of the time, I think most of the artists know it's important to be generous and to give back and they enjoy seeing others succeed. Not every artist, I'm going to say the truth, not every artist is a generous, but most are. I think a third tip is to make sure to invite people to your studio as often as you can And what I find is that also that opens up doors for other things. If somebody has taken the time to go to your studios for a reason, so and if somebody says, no, that's it, you move on to the next. It's not the end of the world. You keep inviting people, you keep working, and you keep getting and gathering feedback. I mean, feedback is always so important, regardless of who gives it to you, because if you consistently hear the same thing, Maybe you've got to pay attention to something if and if the feedback is positive many times from different people, then accept it, take it, and continue in that direction so that's you know I, I I feel that that's very important and I think that, as I said before nowadays, there are so many opportunities for artists to do so many different things it's not just painting a canvas and hanging it on the wall but there are opportunities to partner with fashion brands with media brands with to paint murals on the street to do windows in stores and i think that those opportunities sometimes again they are not necessarily going to knock on your door sometimes you have to approach them and see How you feel about that? Sometimes there are agencies, depending on the the artist, there are certain agencies who can take care of partnerships with artists. But we are also living in a time where there has never been this amount of appetite for brands and companies to partner with artists that further their mission. So I think that it's a it's not a good idea to say no. I mean, if something is horrible and it does not align with your vision or your mission or your career? Of course, you say no, but I think that a lot of young artists are afraid of saying yes to these opportunities because they think they're going to trash their brand. And I don't think that's the case. I think that there is a lot of leniency these days. I've seen artists show in really horrible galleries and end up being represented by a really good one. Not overnight. It takes a little bit of time. But I have I, I've seen leniency nowadays that they, it, this was like unthinkable because of the snobbery of the art world a few years back has kind of like, it's, it's sort of like melted away.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, we're going to come right back and Maria is going to tell you more about what you want to know about shaping art collections and much more. But first, a message from our sponsors. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you take the next step and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fairs. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we're offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. So Maria, uh, you helped shape celebrities art collections like Gwyneth Paltrow and Diddy. How has celebrities interest in art collecting changed the art market?
1: Uh that's a good question. I think that a lot of celebrities were not collecting art prior to the advent of Instagram. And I think is I I I always go back to the history of Instagram because it changed everything. And when I mean everything, I mean everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. The the way that people consume visual information nowadays is something that is unparalleled in human history because we didn't have access to all this information. At the same time, celebrities with all the money and and the hoopla and and the Hollywood Hills and whatnot didn't necessarily have this access all the time because a lot of those lives are very sheltered and they don't, really go to a, a lot of museums or galleries or art fairs or anything all the time like I can do or my other clients who are not celebrities can do right but instagram changed everything and gave them a world to explore and things to look at they are interested in and so i think that that instagram in connection also with the insane proliferation of art fairs everywhere that i don't know how many of them are going to come back after you know this whole thing is um, sort of like resolved, the pandemic, but the the combination of those two things changed the art market forever, and it also gave a different approach and a diff- actually a different spin to how celebrities collect because they have access to all this visual information, and when they see something multiple times that calls their attention. It brings their curiosity to the table and they start, you know, they they start getting interested in in probably connecting with our artists, maybe getting a commission, ordering something special for them, their kids. I don't know, you know, but yes, it's definitely the art market has been changed also by celebrities collecting because it's all kind of intertwined with media and uh you know and who owns what and and the the publicity that a certain celebrity can give to a visual artist could be very important at any given time other artists may not care but i have seen dealers you know trample over to sell something to a celebrity i have seen them so not all but some really are uh, they kind of you know are become very excited by the possibility of having their artists or sell to a celebrity, even though these people are so serious, sometimes they do see their faces and they are completely stonewalled, you don't, know, you know, but they, they get really excited to work with famous people.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think another interesting thing is just that besides, you know, the media kind of paying attention to what celebrities are collecting what people also really look like just like the general populace really looks up to celebrities and they, want to pattern their lives off of off of them versus you know kind of your your stereotypical art collector is not someone that any just anyone is is aspiring to be like they might be making fun of them more than they're like ooh i want to be like this xyz person but with celebrities collecting art it kind of paves the way for more people just in general to want to have original art in their homes, because they, they want to pattern themselves off of these celebrities kind of like, I don't know, I'm thinking the way that people go crazy over, like an upcoming shoe or, or fashion, like things like that. But yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's definitely been a huge game changer that and, um, and social media, and and definitely the art fairs as well.
1: No, I was just thinking the following, right? I mean, there are celebrities and there are different tastes and different things. And there are it's it's all a very strange sort of like double-edged sword because for the general public it might be one thing. But then when very snob collectors, for lack of a better description, see the X, Y, and Z celebrities collecting their artists, then they might not like it anymore, if you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, it's like, it's a very double-edged sword in the sense that that there is so much kind of uh, protection and uh, this idea of exclusivity and I'm the only one who can have this and then also becomes it's very, it's psychologically, it's fascinating because the patterns are so strange. If you are a hedge funder and you go into the house of your hedge funder colleague and he has whatever on the walls or a sculpture and you start feeling immediately that you need to have that same artist, right? But then suddenly they see that the artist is doing X, Y, Z with a celebrity that they don't necessarily feel it's a up to the standard, and then they start doubting why they acquired that artist or why they wanted it or why they bought it. So it is good. It's it's every it's good to have a celebrity collecting art or many and people wanting to, like you said, fashion their lives after them. But it doesn't necessarily pay off all the time.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually a really interesting point that you bring up. I, I would say that if anything, it almost makes the the art market almost like more dichotomous instead of it being one-sided it's sort of like split into two where it's you know kind of there's this one side that's being very um very protective very excluding like you mentioned about the art that they collect and that they they want collected by other people and then there's this other side where it's sort of like becoming trendy to to by art and to collect art and, and sort of, you know, how, how are not only certain artists, but certain styles or, or certain, um, just like certain trends in the art market. Like, how are they diverging like from these two different paths? So I think, I think that's, that's a really interesting point you bring up before we go, uh, Maria, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, the C files, uh, the show that you hosted on PBS, you discussed artistic themes with artists on the show. So what was one thing that you learned from this experience of hosting the show or from an artist um, that will always stick with you?
1: Well, I mean, two things. If you uh, anybody ever wants to do something with television, be very well prepared to know that it's exhausting. And that uh, as soon as I finished doing that, I was like, I have so much more respect for Hollywood and the actors than I could have ever possibly have because this were 15 minute episodes and it took us two full days To shoot, and then the editors worked around the clock for like a month to edit them. I again, I have so much respect for anybody who's a filmmaker, anybody who is making TV, it's is or or anybody who's an actor. So if you're you have anybody in the audience who fits that description, my hat is off to you <laughs> because it's insane but i also think that it it allowed me to spend a lot of time with each one of these artists because as i'm telling you the shooting uh, the, the the schedule was long and i got to like i i got very interested in and in, i mean they some of them were my friends already some of them i had contacted for purposes of the show so it was a little you know, more like getting to know them better. But I think that it's a fascinating look into how vulnerable and giving and generous an artist can be. And that's at the end of the day, what I really believe the purpose of art and artists should be. It's not an agenda that they want to impose on you. It's an invitation to the world. And this has been made clear to me by so many artists, but spending so much time with those Artists uh, who participated on the C Files was a confirmation of their generosity and their their hearts and and the invitation to understand their worlds from the standpoint of what they create and put out in the world.
0: This is something that you know is so special that you get to share with people. I mean, this is you know your brain being translated onto a canvas or or a print or a sculpture, whatever it is that you create. You know that's something that is. It's really exciting to be able to to share with other people, and other people are really excited to learn about it from you. So yeah, definitely, uh, like being able to be surrounded by artists is just such an exciting thing. And yeah, definitely, what you're saying about TV, I I, I totally agree with you. There, it's, it's very intense.
1: It is. It is. I I just honestly. If you watch any Marvel movies or, you know, any of those superheroes, if you can imagine those people every day sitting first for hours on the makeup room and then shooting on hours and hours on end. I remember like once I was talking to Gwyneth Paltrow and she was like literally one minute in Iron Man and it took her like two weeks in North Carolina to shoot that scene. No, I know. I mean, I mean, it's, it's like, I, it's so much respect for that craft. I loved it more. I love movies and I love film and international and Hollywood at the same time for me is like such an indispensable outlet in my life. But after I shot those episodes, I had so much more. My level of respect for those people went like a million times higher than it already was. <laughs>
0: Well, Maria, this has been such an amazing conversation. Let's go ahead and bring it home for our listeners out there. What is one call to action that you'd like to share with the artists listening?
1: Come to my website, mariabrida.com, and sign up to my weekly newsletter because I think it's full of information about creativity, business, and art history. I do like to bring examples of art history to show my people, my, my readers, who are both artists and business people and entrepreneurs, that there is always such an interesting connection between art and business to be discovered. And I try to research a lot of recent psychology and, and neuroscience studies and research and things like that, that actually back my points up with science as well, because you know, otherwise people feel that it's all Hearsay or anecdotal or whatever, but you know, I, I feel very proud of that project. The it's actually today the groove is one year old, and it's a it's it has twenty thousand people. So I think that some it, it turned out right, but it's a it's a really fun project. So come to mariabrito.com or follow me on Instagram. It's mariabrito underscore ny.
0: To all of you business artists out there, Maria has been here today sharing her amazing perspective. Uh, you can listen to this in all of our past podcasts on our website at superfindoutworld. And like Maria just mentioned, you can follow her at Brito underscore NY on Instagram and Twitter. That's B-R-I-T-O. And you can also visit MariaBrito.com and also uh, JumpstartCreativity.biz.
1: Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that, but it's fine. You, you guys will find every link on the website. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Perfect. As always, remember that we are Superfine Art Fair on Instagram. Uh, We always appreciate a share whenever you're listening to and enjoying the artist business plan. And once again, we'd really appreciate it if you could take just a moment of your time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Those ratings and reviews are so critical in helping other artist entrepreneurs just like yourselves find us. As always, I'd like to wrap up the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. Today's quote is. In drawing, one must look for or suspect that there is more than is casually seen. That is by George Bridgman. Maria, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And for that, we are so grateful.
1: Thank you, James. It's my pleasure. And I hope to have given some value to the people who are listening.
0: I very much think that you did. Everyone else have an awesome rest of your day. And remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artists entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say. So follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Shoot us an email at world, and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney@superfine.world.